Good evening. We have the opportunity this evening to worship God and celebrate through two ordinances, uh, the observance of Christian baptism and the observance of the Lord's Supper. So we celebrate with, with these who are going to be baptized, and then they'll come out and join us in our congregation and have the distinct opportunity of uh, participating in their first Lord's Supper as well. So we welcome you, and uh, we're glad you're here, and we begin with prayer. Will you bow with me? Father, as we come now to celebrate what you're doing among us as a church family, we acknowledge your grace and mercy that makes this possible. And we pray that you will bless us as we worship. Uh, these who are gathered here in the sanctuary would not just be mere observers, but would participate by their prayers, by their recollections of their own baptism, and by their pledge of support and encouragement to these who are passing through these baptismal waters this evening. Father, even as these waters symbolize the washing away of sin and dying to self and coming to a new life in Jesus Christ, we pray you also baptize each one of us with the presence of the Holy Spirit and with fire, that we would go forth from this place renewed in our own commitments and our own love for you and our renewed desire to, to serve you and never to rest until all the world hears and knows and believes that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Of course, in his name we pray. Amen. Before we begin baptism of uh, each individual person, we've got a video that will introduce us to, to many of these. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. For me today, it means recommitting my life to Christ. Um, and I'm just, I don't know, I'm so happy that he's in my life. And that um, I, I hope, and the, the saying that I love the most is more of him and less of me. And that's what I want to do. It's a sign of showing that Jesus, that you invited Jesus into your heart. Just a new life. I mean, not a new person, but a new life. It means commitment commitment to Christ. I want to be more involved in the church and, and try to minister to others through different areas and just try to lead people to Jesus like I was. For almost 40 years I did not make it to church and then uh, when I first came into First Baptist it was just like I'd always been here. Um, well when I was 12 um, I went to church with my mom and it was uh, revival week and um, I saw, you know, most of my friends doing it, and I thought that it was something that I should do too. And over the years, I think God has put people in my life that um, have lived as the model Christians that um, I would like to be. And I feel like um, over the last few years, this is something that's been building in my heart to do again. And, uh, and then I said, I felt like I'm about to cry. And then I, I and then I, don't, I said, I don't know why. And then I think you said, I think you're ready to invite Jesus. Mom said, I think you're ready to invite Jesus into your heart. Jesus was baptized, and it's a symbolism of accepting him into your life. And the whole, I guess, um, idea is, is to be like, try to be like Christ and um, be baptized like him. Amen.
We're going to begin this evening with father and daughter, Robert and Haven Bullington. Let me invite her family and friends gathered here at this time to stand and bear witness to their, uh, their baptism and participating in it with them. Haven, I have the privilege of giving you the opportunity to testify to your faith by asking you, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? In obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and upon your profession of faith in him, I baptize you, Haven Elise Bullington, my sister, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Haven, you've been buried with Christ in death. You can rise and walk a new life with him. Why don't you wait right here for your dad? With her family and, and Robert's family remaining standing, Robert, let me ask you, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, I do. In obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and upon your profession of faith in him, I baptize you, Robert Wade Bullington, my brother, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Robert, you've been buried with Christ in death. Rise and walk a new life now with him. Amen. You go by Daniel. This is my brother in Christ, Daniel Fowler. Let me invite his family and friends gathered at this time to stand and bear witness to this event. Daniel, it's my privilege to ask you and to give you the opportunity to bear witness by asking, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, I do. In obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and upon your profession of faith in him, I baptize you, Charles Daniel Fowler, my brother, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Daniel, buried with Christ in death, rise and walk a new life with him. This is husband and wife, Dixie Griffin and Richard Lupo. And they come from another uh, denomination, but they come uh, for a church membership upon their profession of faith and by baptism. So, Dixie, it's my privilege to give you the opportunity to bear witness by asking, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, I do. In obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and upon your profession of faith in him, I baptize you, Dixie Dawn Griffin, my sister, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Dixie, having been buried with Christ in death, rise and walk a new life with him. Richard Lupo, let me invite the family and friends. Thank you for standing. Thank you. Richard, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, I do. In obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and upon your profession of faith in him, I baptize you, Richard Lynn Lupo, my brother, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. With Christ in death, rise and walk a new life with him.
This is my brother in Christ, Charlie Hill. Let me invite his family and friends gathered to stand at this time to bear witness. Charlie was married Friday evening. Stephanie Covington and he were united in marriage here in our chapel. Tonight he's baptized. Charlie, I don't know what you can do to top these two things. It's been a wonderful weekend, uh, uniting with Stephanie and now symbolizing your union with Christ in baptism. With those gathered here standing and bearing witness, let me ask you, Charles, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, I do. In obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and upon your profession of faith in him, I baptize you, Charles F. Hill, Jr., my brother, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. having been buried with Christ in death, rise and walk a new life with him. Amen. This is my brother in Christ, David Rakestraw. Let me invite his family and friends gathered here this evening to stand. David, it's my privilege to ask you, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? I do. In obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and upon your profession of faith in him, I baptize you, David Stephen Rakestraw, my brother, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. David, having been buried with Christ in death, rise and walk a new life with him. This is my brother in Christ, Brad Redding. Let me invite his family and friends to stand at this time. So, Brad, it's my privilege to give you the opportunity to bear witness by asking, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? In obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and upon your profession of faith in him, I baptize you, Brad Wiley Redding, my brother, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. having been buried with Christ in death. You're free to rise now and walk a new life with him. And this is my sister in Christ, Brooke Sperlin. Let me invite her family and friends again. Brooke, do you believe in Jesus? In obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and upon your profession of faith in him, I baptize you, Jordan Brooke Sperlin, my sister, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Brooke, you've been buried with Christ in death. You can rise now and walk a new life with him.
Jesus told us in the Sermon on the Mount, he didn't say you might be the light on a hill or you may be the light on a hill or the light of the world. He said you are the light of the world. A city cannot be hid on a hill, so let your light so shine among men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. The question for us remains, what kind of works are we going to reveal? And uh, what, by what we do, how will that show the world the Jesus we profess to love and believe and serve? The challenge is ours. The opportunity is ours. These who've been baptized are starting a new relationship, either with Jesus or in our own church family. And they're going to be looking at us, too, and measuring their Christian faith by what they see and hear in our lives. Let's bow. Father, as we baptize these now who, who profess their faith in you and have come into our church family, help us make room for them at the table where we can sit down together and have fellowship with one another and fellowship with you. We thank you for the opportunities of, of communion that we have in this world in preparation for the world to come. So let everything we say and do honor you and prepare us for life eternal. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's kind of unusual when we have two of the ordinances of the church on one night. We're, what a joy it is to be able to rejoice in the baptism of these. And in a few moments... You can see the table of the Lord is laid out in front of us. We're going to be sharing in the Lord's Supper. I'm going to ask you that as we continue to worship and we continue to celebrate, let's sing together hymn number 263, Break Thou the Bread of Life. Please stand.
Thank you, and be seated. Well, you can tell we are so excited that you're here tonight to worship with us. What an incredible evening we've already had of celebrating what the Lord is doing in the lives of individuals. We're so glad you've come. I know many of you have come tonight because of the, the time of baptism, and we're glad you're here. Uh, we want to invite you to register your attendance with us. If you've picked up a bulletin on the way in, if you'll tear off that flap and, and register your attendance with us, we'll appreciate that and give us the opportunity to, to minister to you later on in the week. There are a lot of things going on in the life of First Baptist. Particularly, I just want to draw your attention to a couple things. Uh, this week will be a, a wonderful time for our women. On uh, Tuesday, October the 2nd, Women on Mission will have a Coverdish luncheon in the patio room. And uh, Sabina Silboy, I believe, is going to be sharing that, uh, uh, that time with our ladies. And then we'll have a Men's Life luncheon on Thursday. All our men are invited to take a break from their work day and join us for lunch at the uh, Family Life Center. But the main thing I wanted to emphasize is what is called Hearts United Missions Day. Uh, many churches in our association will be participating in this next Saturday morning. Our church will be participating, and we're inviting you to join us at the Family Life Center at 9, 9.15, 9.30, if that's the earliest you can get there, uh, in the morning, on Saturday morning, and we're going to distribute the, the Jesus video through a number of the neighborhoods around our church. And so we'd love to have you come. This is kind of an entry point into sharing your faith. We'll place these on, on the doors, doorknobs, and uh, it'll just be a wonderful opportunity to invite people to our church, invite them to our fall festival, and to share the message of Jesus Christ. We are glad you're here tonight, and we want to have a chance just to greet one another and affirm one another. So let's take time now just to stand and turn to those who are around you, make everybody feel welcome, and let's greet everyone tonight.
Thank you, and be seated. Well, how are you this evening? Good. Good to see you here as we celebrate the, the two ordinances that we understand as Baptist ordinances because they were ordained by Jesus and uh, told us to, to follow and obey. And so baptism and the Lord's Supper, uh, something to celebrate and rejoice over this evening. As we continue in our worship, hospitalized church members we want to remember at Children's Hospital Eggleston, Atlanta, Vernell Dunson, uh, continuing to get um, chemo and preparation, hopefully for a bone marrow transplant. Uh, at Trift Regional, sure, you got something about Vernell? I haven't gone all week, but um, we saw Vernell on Friday. A lot of y'all know Vernell. And I asked him about the bone marrow transplant. A lot of y'all know Vernell has leukemia. And he told me that he'd been home. He had chemo his first round. He'd been home. He was back. And when they did the scan, they could not find any cancer. Oh, and so now I, went, I, also talk, I also talked to his nurse, and she said, it looks really good right now. They're going to do two more rounds of chemo just to be sure, which he's kind of sick from it. And there's still more tests to run, but I mean, it was just great. He said, "He said they've got do not have me down to have bone marrow now." So, anyways, I just wanted to share that. We I didn't even get a chance to talk to you before I got back. Yeah. Anyway, wonderful. If you don't know Vernell, he is just the the sweetest, uh, tenderest, about 18 year old uh, African American. Um, been coming to our church and joined our church, I guess, last summer. But just a precious young man. And uh, good night. What a miracle. Um, other hospitalized, also experiencing the miracle of healing, uh, Betty Bowen, recovering from hip surgery, Glenda McCall, uh, continuing to uh, recover uh, in the days ahead. Uh, also, um, Chris Brooks is in the hospital with some abdominal issues, and also Antonio's back in. So we want to remember these. Those at home, let's remember Francis Jones down in Tallahassee, continuing radiation, and uh, Wilma Tyson home recovering from surgery this past week at Phoebe. And we express Christian sympathy to the family of uh, Mildred Tucker Flowers, whose services were Thursday at Albritton Beaumont Chapel. Let's bow together. God, when we pray, and prayers are answered, it is incumbent upon us to give you the glory and the praise. Um, we acknowledge Vernell's healing as a miracle, and we praise you for that. And we, we pray for uh, Betty and for Glenda and for Chris and for Antonio and others in the hospital right here in Tifton, Lord, that they too would feel and experience your healing power. And we'll testify to your greatness as a result. We lift up to you the, the Flowers family and Mildred's passing. And we pray that you would comfort and be with them. And Father, just help all of us who remain behind in this world to take seriously the command you gave us to make disciples, baptize, and teach so that all the world may hear and know and believe that Jesus is Lord. And then as we observe the Lord's Supper, even as we participated in baptism, we recall our own salvation and it becomes fresh and new. And our commitment to you this evening 
is stronger than ever. And we celebrate your presence, and we just want to say we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand as we sing. Let us break bread together. Please stand. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, and um, we thank you for all the many gifts and blessings that you've given us. And please help us to realize that the gifts that we have don't belong to us, but that they belong to you. And um, please help us to just give accordingly, Lord. And um, bless this offering and the rest of the service. So you never pray. Amen. tells us to love the Lord with all our heart, our soul, our strength, and our mind. And as a parent, um, that has always been my prayer for my children, to know the love of Christ and to accept him. So as we celebrate David's baptism, I found the, a song that I wanted to sing. It's called My Only Prayer.
Now as you find your life unfold, may his hand of grace be the hand you hold. May each trial and victory Thank you, Beth. 
You may be sitting out there watching Beth sing and that sweet countenance on her face and wondering, I wonder if she's really that sweet. I want you to know she is. She is as genuine as the day is long. Stephen, are you... <laughs> he's, he's verifying that. Mm-hmm. Three holy meals, 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. And this is the passage about the Lord's Supper, but there are other meals in the Bible that, that we learn about, and all of them are important. Thank goodness Paul preserves this tradition from the Last Supper, and he passes it along to the Corinthians. When he writes, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also the cup after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's bow together. Father, as we come now to continue our observance of the ordinances tonight, we thank you for these who have passed through the baptismal waters and are now prepared to receive the Lord's Supper and all of us who've gathered here to celebrate with them. We thank you for Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and what it makes possible. Our forgiveness, our abundant life in this world, and our eternal life in the world to come. So help us to live these days wisely, to remember our call, and to live accordingly. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, I, I don't know about you, but there are few things that I, like most Baptists, enjoy more than sitting down to a good meal. I've been on a diet recently, and I've got to tell you, it's one of the hardest things Susan and I have, have ever done. Giving up those, those fatty foods that taste so good in order to eat grilled chicken salad and uh, grapefruit and boiled eggs. You know, uh, thinking of meals, we don't ordinarily eat with people we don't like or with whom we don't have a relationship. Have you ever gone into a restaurant, gotten your food, and then walked up to a total stranger and asked them if you could sit down and join them for dinner? You have. What, would they, what did they say? No. Yeah. <laughs> I've mentioned this survey before, but I think about it every time I walk into a McDonald's. I had a friend in college who was taking a sociology class and did a survey about where people sat in a McDonald's restaurant and just kind of had the restaurant laid out and charted how many people sat at this table and that table and that table. And the only consistent factor that he came up with was that people tend to sit at tables as far away from everyone else as possible. Think about it. If you go into a restaurant and all the tables are empty except for one table, you do not go up and sit at the table right next to them, do you? 
you go sit on the other side. And, and I'm not sure why. I think it goes back to ancient times when in order to sit down and eat, you had to lay your weapons aside. You had to put your sword and your shield down in order to eat. You let down your defenses. You became vulnerable. And uh, that's the way fellowship meals are today. The Bible says that meal times are fellowships with trusted friends. And so we eat with friends. And there are a lot of uh, clubs and groups built around eating together. I go to Rotary on Wednesday lunch. We eat, eat, we eat lunch together. At seminary, I was in a group called the Tuesday Afternoon Gentlemen's Dining Club. And that was about three of us who got together every Tuesday to eat peanut butter and jelly and, and hostess Twinkies for lunch. I'm not sure if we ate lunch together because we were friends or we were friends because we ate lunch together. Somehow the two go together. And that's the way it is in the church. We have set before us the Lord's Supper. It is central in the architecture and worship of the church. And, and incidentally, you can go into a church, any church, and, and decide what's important in that church by what, what the architecture represents. In the Baptist church, the pulpit is in the center because the proclamation of God's word is important. The Lord's table is front and center because it's important in our worship. Even when we aren't observing the Lord's Supper, the table is still there. The baptistry is in the center of the sanctuary in order to represent its priority in worship. Eating a meal is prominent in the Bible. And there are three holy meals that stand out. And each of them have a special significance. And I want to remind us of them briefly here this evening. The first one was the Old Covenant meal. About 1250 B.C., Moses led the children of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. They went out into the, to the east, to the desert, and there in the middle of the wilderness, Moses goes up on this mountain called Mount Sinai and God cuts a covenant with his people. He takes the initiative with them and he promises to be their God if they will be his people and be obedient to the laws that he gives them. In Exodus 24, 7, Moses took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people and they said, all the Lord has spoken, we will do and we will be obedient the covenant was an agreement between God and his people, and God was the senior partner. God initiated the covenant. It was conditional upon Israel's obedience to the law. And this relationship with God came as a result not of Israel's goodness, but of God's grace. And to seal that covenant, the children of Israel ate a meal in the presence of the Lord. It says in Exodus 25, 11, they beheld God and they ate and drank. And in a sense, that annual Passover feast continued to be the meal which celebrated and recalled the exodus from Egypt and the covenant relationship of God with his chosen people. And we know from our sermons on the Old Testament that Israel was not faithful to the covenant. They forsook the law, and as a result, they were taken into captivity in Babylon, and only a faithful remnant returned to their homeland in Israel. And the prophet Jeremiah reminded us or promised us that one day God would make a new covenant with his people. And this time it would not be written on stone tablets, but it would be written on the hearts of man. 
And God said in the new covenant that he would forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. Jeremiah 31. And so the prophecy of Jeremiah was fulfilled in the birth of Jesus, the Messiah. The kingdom of God broke into history, and a new covenant was established with man. It was based not on one's birth or inheritance. It was based upon a new birth and upon faith in Jesus. And the meal which sealed that covenant and celebrates it is the Lord's Supper. And Jesus said of it, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. So if you don't know what a covenant is, you don't know what Jesus was saying there. He was, he was saying that this new covenant is sealed in my blood as over against and opposed the old covenant. Now, how the two covenants compare? Well, the same way the Old Testament and the New Testament compare. As a matter of fact, the word for testament is the word for covenant. So our Bible is a story of the Old Testament or Old Covenant, the New Testament or the New Covenant. It's two covenants. The Old Covenant was ratified by the sacrifices of animals on an altar. Their life's blood poured out. The New Covenant, the New Testament, was ratified with the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. His life's blood poured out. The Old Covenant created a nation out of the nomadic people of Israel. They became the people of God. The new covenant created a new Israel, the church, the new people of God. The old covenant was based on obedience to the law of God, which the Israelites failed to obey. The new covenant is based on grace, and we receive it by faith. Under the old covenant, the children of Israel were delivered from slavery and human bondage. The new covenant results in God delivering us from the slavery of sin and the bondage of death. And so the first supper observes the old covenant which the children of Israel forsook. The second supper celebrates the new covenant established by the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus. And yet even in Scripture, there's a third supper, a third holy meal that has been promised. Jesus said that this Lord's Supper will be observed until he returns. And following his return, all the redeemed of the ages will one day gather in the new Jerusalem, and we will sit down at a banqueting table with the Lord at a great celebration and a feast in heaven. What an honor, what a glorious experience that will be. When you visit Windsor Castle outside of London, there are a lot of impressive sights. But one of the most impressive is the royal dining room. It must seat about a hundred at a big rectangular table. Here the knights of the British Order of the Garter, they call it, have the privilege of dining with the queen. And there's no higher honor in all of Great Britain. But brothers and sisters in Christ, I want you to know that there's a banquet table in heaven. And it has a place prepared for each one of you who knows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And one day we will sit down and dine with the King of kings and Lord of lords. And our relationship of faith, which we have initiated here on earth, will be culminated one day in heaven. And as a result of these nine who have just come through the baptistry and joined our church fellowship, nine more chairs have been added 
to that banqueting table in heaven, even as they have been added to our table here in our own church family. So there are three great suppers in the Bible. The eating and drinking before the Lord on Mount Sinai in which the Old Covenant was sealed. The Lord's Supper as a symbol of our relationship in the New Covenant with Jesus. And the banquet that awaits all of us Christians at the end of history when Jesus comes in glory and takes us home. The Lord's Supper is a sign to prepare us for the kingdom of God. If you're part of that kingdom, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then you are welcome here. He has extended an invitation to share in a foretaste of glory divine and given us the privilege of fellowship by breaking bread together. Shall we bow? Father, as we come to prepare and receive this sacred supper, we acknowledge the importance of the symbols they represent. Our Lord's body broken. Our Lord's blood shed to wash away our sins and offer us forgiveness. If we will just acknowledge our need and repent of our sin and believe in Jesus, you will forgive us and we are welcome here. I pray that all of us, having participated in baptism and now in the Lord's Supper, will remember with thanksgiving what you mean to each one of us and renew our ties even around this table. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shall we come and gather now? congregation is gathering now to receive the, the elements of the bread and the cup. I would invite you worshiping alongside of us by television to um, prepare your own elements. It doesn't have to be a little piece of cracker or, or grape juice. It can be any piece of bread and, and any kind of juice that you like because what's important is not, is not the element itself. What's important is what it represents, what it symbolizes. And that that piece of bread represents Jesus' body.
in that cup represents his blood. So go ahead and, and prepare those now and be ready to receive them with us as a testimony to your faith in Christ and his forgiveness of sins made possible by that, that death, that painful death on the cross to pay the penalty to give us eternal life. This is the bread that came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He that eateth this bread will live forever. So take and eat. In the same way, in that upper room, Jesus took a cup and he held it up in the midst of his disciples. And he said, this is my blood which is shed for you. Shall we pray? Father, as we receive now this cup, let it symbolize the washing away of our sins made possible by Jesus' atoning death, his sacrifice, 
and his love poured out on the cross. We praise you and we thank you for it. We need it and we receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. thing, observing the Lord's Supper by yourself at home, but you're not alone. We're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, it says in Hebrews, and so we know that that there are those faithful through the ages who are with us, and also our Lord and Savior has promised never to leave us nor forsake us, and even though you might not always feel him, he's there, he's with you because he promised And he can't do anything contrary to his word. And so he's with you. If you don't have a church family, we want to be with you. We would invite you if you're able to come and and be a part of with us. If if you can't come, call us and we'll come be with you. Um, We want to minister and express Jesus' love for this community of Tifton. Uh, He has offered himself to us and we can't withhold him from anyone. So prepare the cup and have it ready to receive his forgiveness and his love poured out for you on the cross.
said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim our Lord's death until he returns. Take and drink. You've had several sermons this evening. You've had the message of the baptism. You've had proclamation of the word from 1 Corinthians, and then you've had a sermon in Lord's Supper. And it might be that as a result of one of those, or all of those, you feel led to a decision. Professing your faith, rededicating your life, joining this church, whatever decision you have to make. We don't conclude a service of worship without an opportunity to respond. Real worship includes response of some kind. And if you feel like God's leading you and convicting you to make a response public here this evening. I'll be at the front to receive you. Our invitation hymn is number 321. The Savior is waiting. You come as we stand together and sing. <laughs>